mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we'll meet the hometown girl with one amazing job. A conversation with Findlay High School alum Ann Romer about her work as manager of astronaut selection at NASA. Also this morning, Bankrate's list of the most and least valuable college majors is out, with many STEM careers at the top and the arts near the bottom. The data might not be surprising, but what the data means might be. And happening around town, members of the cast will join us to preview the Fort Findlay Playhouse production of the musical comedy, Nonsense. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. the 278th day of 2021 there are 87 days remaining in the year and uh, the holidays once again approaching we are still in a pandemic in case you missed it the centers for disease control and prevention yesterday the cdc updated their federal health guidance and uh, they are encouraging for the upcoming holidays virtual celebrations and outdoor gatherings to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Stop me if you heard this before. This is exactly what they recommended last year, wasn't it? Um, I don't know how many people followed those guidelines, but that, that is the uh, guidance. It says, attending gatherings to celebrate events and holidays increases your risk of getting and spreading COVID-19. The safest way to celebrate is virtually. Uh, or... And or with the people that live with you, because if you live with them, you're around them all the time anyway, uh, or gather outside and at least and at least six feet apart from others. So, again, this is exactly the same guidance as we had last year Um, for those wishing to gather indoors. The CDC says keep things as safe as possible. Everyone in attendance who is eligible for the vaccine should have it. Everyone should adhere adhere to mask mandates and uh, doors and windows should be opened to boost airflow. Uh, In addition, those feeling sick or experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 should not attend or host gatherings. So that one, I would think, is that kind of goes without saying. If you're feeling sick and you think you may have COVID-19, probably skip the Thanksgiving dinner this year would probably be the best advice. But I don't know how many, like I said, I don't know how many people last year followed those guidelines, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Everyone, of course, wants the pandemic to be over. How long will it be? That is the big question. Dr. Eric Topol, the founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute. Boy, that is quite the name. The Scripps Research Translational Institute. Dr. Eric Topol said Sunday that up to 90% of Americans may have to be vaccinated to end the COVID-19 pandemic. 90%. Right now, we're at about, what, 45, 55%, something like that. We're about half. Basically, we're about halfway there. Back in December of 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci Head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases told the New York York Times between 70 and 90 percent of the population would need to be vaccinated against COVID-19 for the country to reach herd immunity. So, oh, here it is. As of right now, about 56 percent of Americans nationally 
are considered to be fully vaccinated. So 56% we're shooting for 90% ideally, 70% at a minimum. We still have a ways to go. So in case you were wondering where we stand on this. Probably not a big surprise. Depression rates were not helped by the pandemic. Boston University researchers found that depression actually persisted and worsened throughout the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic. The, that sounds so strange now to say the first year of the pandemic. It just seems to imply that this is going to go on not just through this year, but perhaps into next year as well. Anyway, researchers found about 33% of adults, that's one-third of us, experienced elevated depressive symptoms in 2021, compared to about 28% in the early months of the pandemic, and only about 9% before the pandemic. So think about this. 33% of us experienced elevated depressive symptoms during the pandemic, only 9% before. So a huge spike. The most significant predictors of depressive symptoms during the pandemic were low household income, not being married, and I, you know, the not being married part, I don't know that it's being married per se that causes depression, but being locked down and separated from everyone and not even having a significant other to share your time with. I would imagine that could have been very depressing. I, I, I never really thought about that, but at least, it, you know, my wife and I were locked, locked down for several weeks and spent an awful lot of time, just the two of us over the past year, but at least it was the two of us. There was another human being there. I can imagine for single folks, it'd be like one of those uh, Tom Hanks castaway sort of things. You take to talking to your volleyball or something anyway. um, So that was one of the things. And uh, the experience of multiple pandemic related stressors as it also contributed to the uh, depression rate study author, Dr. Sandro Galea says the sustained and increasing prevalence of elevated depressive symptoms suggests that the burden of the pandemic on mental health has been ongoing and unequal. So kind of interesting uh, with respect to that. But there is some good news uh, on that front. Uh, A a new uh, treatment. Well, let me. This is a study by the University of Oxford. And I want to kind of be delicate about the way I bring this up a drug an existing drug a new use for an existing drug could uh be used to tackle uh depression and other psychiatric disorders schizophrenia bipolar uh even cognition impairments and uh, could also uh be used to uh, treat Oh, well, here it is. Yeah, it is. It says it could be used to. Well, here's the existing drug. It, it, it is something we've known about and we've had for a long time to use to treat digestive problems. Basically, it's a drug to treat constipation. <laughs> it's a drug to greet, treat constipation. Uh, but it also suggests uh, that uh, 
Prucalopride, also known as Resilor, uh, used to treat constipation and digestive problems. New research, the University of Oxford, suggests that it could be used to tackle cognition impairments caused by psych- uh, psychiatric disorders like major depression, schizophrenia, and bipolar. Re- researchers said the findings presented at the European College of Neuropsychopharmacy neuropsychopharmacology uh, provide exciting early evidence of the drug's uh, benefits. Uh, I, I just, I'm wondering, I saw this and I'm thinking to myself, uh, kind of interesting that it's probably because of the pandemic that the researchers are sitting around and thinking, hey, maybe we should try this constipation drug and see if that works for depression. <laughs> Although I suppose if you're not constipated anymore, you would be less depressed about that. That would be, so there is always, there is always that, I guess. Um, anyway, and, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here because I thought it was kind of interesting. Again, one of the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, the EW scripts company is a long time news organization, newspaper owner, uh, broadcast, uh, broadcaster. So the EW scripts company, uh, has relaunched, if you will, their newsy streaming news service, and they are betting that they people that people want to see more actual news instead of uh, people talking about and giving opinions about the news, because the news so-called news channels, conventional news channels, whether we're talking about CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, most of what those news channels are is not really news; it's opinion. Um. And opinions about the news. But EW Scripps says they believe people want to see more actual news. They are expanding their news service, Newsy, aiming to give viewers just that. It is uh, primarily viewed online or via streaming, but it is expanding its programming to 17 hours a day, aiming to eventually be 24 hours a day and will for the first time be available as a free over-the-air TV service. The motto of Newsy is be informed, not influenced. Kate O'Brien, head of the Scripps Network's news group, said it's a little bit of going back to the future what television news used to be. Uh, Newsy began in 2008 as a syndicated news service in Missouri, was bought by Scripps in 2014, and will operate 14 news bureaus across the country. So if you have... Uh, a, a streaming device, a Roku, or I think you can get it on Apple TV and um, all of those other streaming uh, platforms. Uh, you can look for the Newsy app. It's also available for uh, smart devices and uh, online. Newsy uh, being relaunched by the EW Scripps company with a focus on more actual news than opinion. Uh, but they're still going to fill 24 hours a day. I, that's the reason why CNN and Fox News and MSNBC have so much opinion programming is because they're on 24 hours a day and there's just not enough news to fill that amount of time. So how newsy plans to do that, I don't know. But uh, if you want to check it out, I just throw that out there. One of the most. Uh... So there you go to um, 
Start off your morning here, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly sunny today with a high of 74, mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 62. The Finley Police Department says they found two handguns on a juvenile male who ran from officers. Police were called to the Taco Bell at 701 West Trenton Avenue on Monday afternoon on the report of a male in the restaurant with a gun. When police arrived, they made contact with the individual in the parking lot and he started running. He was apprehended a short distance away. One of the guns they found on him was stolen out of North Baltimore. The male was arrested and taken to the Wood County Juvenile Detention Center. Get more on our website. State health leaders are urging pregnant women to protect themselves against COVID-19. According to the Ohio Department of Health, only 31% of pregnant women nationally are fully vaccinated. And 97% of pregnant women hospitalized with COVID are unvaccinated. Doctors are seeing the consequences in Ohio in ICUs. There is a 70% increased risk of death when you have COVID-19 and you're pregnant. And that number alone is terrifying for those of us who take care of pregnant people in Ohio. The CDC says August was the deadliest month for pregnant people across the country with 22 deaths. That's ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. Get more on our website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is reminding both pedestrians and motorists that safety is a shared responsibility. October is National Pedestrian Safety Month, and the Highway Patrol says as the nights get longer, the risks for pedestrians increase. From September to February, more than 30% of pedestrian fatalities happen between 6 and 9 p.m. Lieutenant Matt Crow, the Findlay Post commander, says whether you're on foot or behind the wheel, you should always be aware of your surroundings. Ohioans can now order a copy of their driver license or ID card from the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles online. Previously, people could only obtain a driver license or ID renewal by visiting a deputy registrar location. BMV officials say this new option is expected to save Ohioans half a million visits to their offices each year. However, anybody needing to update their information will still have to do so in person. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. a story this morning about a hometown girl done good. Uh, Ann Romer is a Findlay High School grad who has today one of the coolest jobs at NASA as astronaut selection manager. And first of all, thanks very much for uh, taking some time for us this morning. Talk about this career path. What Was it your goal uh, all along to be involved in the space program or how exactly did that uh, come about that you end up as astronaut selection manager at NASA? Well, I think I can say that I'm sure several of my science teachers from Friendly High School might be surprised that I work <laughs> at NASA. Um, it was definitely it was definitely not a plan. Um, I ended up here by accident, but it turned out to be a great place to work and a great career. And, and and what a cool time to be in a job like yours with all of the excitement that surrounds space exploration again, maybe even more so today than at any time since the space race of the 1960s. Yeah, we are seeing tons of activity between the commercialization 
of space, right? We just recently had the first fully private astronaut mission launch uh, just a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly all of the American vehicles that are coming online to take astronauts to the International Space Station and beyond. It is an incredible time for human space flight. And, you know, obviously as part of what you do, you speak with those potential future astronaut candidates. Do you see that excitement reflected in the candidates that you speak with? I mean, it's one thing to want to become an astronaut to go into space, go to the International Space Station or uh, pilot a space shuttle mission before that. But the prospect of going to the moon or even to Mars really adds to the sense of exploration and discovery that maybe wasn't there before. Yeah, and I think we've seen that just even recently um, in the number of applicants that we've seen applying to be astronauts, right? If we look at the class of 2017, we received over 18,000 applications. We are currently working on selecting a new class of astronauts right now um, and are getting close uh, to having those people named, and we had over 12,000 applications. So I think... I think it's great How that people are still very excited about exploring the universe. Obviously, you can't hire 12,000 new astronauts uh, as much as maybe you would like to. How do you whittle that down to a more manageable number? It is a very um, lengthy and involved process, and it's, it's probably not too much different than than any other hiring process, right? You start by looking for a set of skills, have some basic entry-level requirements, um, and then in the end, for our top group of candidates, we do interviews and testing and you know, teamwork exercises, et cetera. So you, you talk about basic requirements. I'm guessing the basic requirements to be an astronaut are somewhat different than the basic requirements for many other jobs, though. You know, you might be surprised. So our core requirements to apply um, are, right, we're a government agency, so U.S. citizenship is required. Folks have to have a master's degree in a uh, STEM field, so science, technology, engineering, or math. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, they have to have a minimum of two years of professional experience in their field. And really, those are the minimum requirements Hmm. to apply. And I'm wondering for you, as you go through this process of uh, whittling down the candidates and then interviewing them and, and so on, is it kind of an extra rush thinking that one of these candidates, one of these future astronauts may be the next first man or first woman, as the case may be, when we're talking about returning to the moon or going on to Mars? Yeah, it it it's an exciting process, right? I have reviewed thousands of resumes and sat in on hundreds of interviews and there are some outstanding Americans out there and so this this process always leaves me energized and excited. You know, there has been so much talk, and you were mentioning just a moment ago, there's been a lot of talk about the privatization of space travel with SpaceX, Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, and all of those, uh, the rest, and NASA's partnerships with uh, some of those companies. And there have always been private companies involved in the space program, of course, making spacecraft and rockets and so on. But that partnership today is much more involved and integrated within the whole process. How has that changed the uh, dynamic within NASA, or has it? You know, I I think it has actually made 
NASA, I think the commercial partnerships have made NASA better, and hopefully we've shared some of our knowledge with the commercial partnerships. The real goal there is, and as we just saw with the with the mission last week, um, you know, it'll be great to turn over traveling to low Earth orbit to commercial spaceflight companies, mm-hmm. because the end goal for human exploration, I think, lies farther into the solar system. Yeah. Um, and while it certainly appears with this technology, I mean, we had the uh, flight the other day, there was no professional astronaut on board, which just boggled my mind that these were all civilians uh, without a uh, an astronaut pilot that you know, this may be to uh, low Earth orbit anyway, uh, something that, you know, just about is accessible one day to just about anyone. But there are still obviously uh, those specialists and uh, some very uh, important criteria for doing what NASA does, again, going beyond just low Earth orbit. Yeah, right. And I think the length of the mission plays into that, right? Our our astronauts today are on board the International Space Station for normally a minimum of six months mm. doing science experiments, uh, maintaining the integrity of the International Space Station as right a place to live and do research, et cetera. And so there is obviously a lot of extensive training that yeah. goes into preparing them for each mission. Um, that's a little different than than going up and orbiting the Earth for a few days. Yeah. We were talking yesterday about uh, computer science being such an in-demand career field and getting young people interested in tech-based fields, especially uh, those uh, young people in underserved areas. What would you say to young people who want to you know, become involved in the space program, whether again, in the sort of out there in front of it, uh, you know, boldly going where no man has gone before, as they say, or those who would uh, maybe follow in your footsteps. Uh, Obviously you are an example of opportunities that exist at all levels uh, and behind the scenes, the time types of, of things that people may not immediately think of in the STEM fields. What do you say to those uh, who may, Uh, be thinking about pursuing such a career? You know, I think, I think I'd say to study hard, um, do well in school, whether that's in the social sciences or the hard, the hard sciences. We do have tons of opportunities at NASA for people like myself who did not pursue an engineering or a math degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and really find something that you're passionate about because you will excel at a job that you like and that will open a lot of doors, whether that's the door to be an astronaut or another exciting and fulfilling career. Again, Ann Romer is a Findlay High School graduate. Today, uh, she serves as astronaut selection manager at NASA. Just a, a really fascinating career. And Ann, we appreciate you taking some time to uh, share uh, some of that with us. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me.
So earlier we were talking about cool careers in the aerospace industry. Yesterday, you recall, we were talking about computer science being such a high demand career field, both now and in the future. As it happens, Bankrate this week is out with their latest list of the most and least valuable college majors. Bankrate.com analyst Sarah Foster joins us now. And Sarah, indeed, careers in the STEM fields dominate the top of the list. But before we get into some specifics, kind of explain the methodology of how you determine the most and least valuable college majors. Absolutely. And thank you, Chris, for having me. It's great to be here. Um, Bankrate, we, for this study, we analyzed 159 majors based on Census's American Community Survey. And then we compared uh, how much those graduates of these majors uh, make uh, in median income, what their unemployment rates are after they finish school, and then what percentage of them go on to receive higher degrees like a master's or a PhD. And so you're using real hard numbers here. These are uh, There's very little subjectiveness uh, in this analysis. And as we said, those fields with a focus on science, technology, engineering, and math, pretty high on the list. Definitely. And we, we think right really found that it's the, the STEM fields that are the ones that where graduates are more likely to earn a higher median income. They're uh, high in demand when they graduate, so they experience very low unemployment rates, and then very few of them go on to have to receive a higher degree, which can be a pretty costly endeavor. And so rounding at the top spot, we saw that architectural engineering was our most valuable major. And then number two, we saw construction services. Number three, computer engineering. Aerospace engineering is also up there on number four. I think what this really shows you is that the direction of the economy is where these high-demand jobs are. And conversely, at the bottom of the list, and again, this is probably not surprising, are careers in the arts. Yes, it's these liberal arts majors that tend to not fare as well in our ranking. And so the 159 out of 159, the bottom of the list was visual and performing arts. And those graduates made a median income, which is, you know, middle middle of the graduates here, made $35,500. That's about uh, close to half of what the national uh, median income is in the United States. Uh, they also experienced elevated unemployment rates, which really implies that there is not really high demand for these positions. And then uh, slightly more than a quarter of them went on to receive a higher degree. Now, that all does not necessarily mean that students should uh, automatically reject fields in the arts and only consider uh, consider STEM fields. I mean, you're not necessarily suggesting that, right? Absolutely. And this is something, I mean, myself here, I'm a journalism major. My uh, my major was pretty much middle of the rankings here. I right. think what we really want to stress here is that it's unrealistic to expect someone to, to pursue a major based on its career or its earning expectations. It's more so important to really find a balance between the passion and the finances. A list like this is supposed to arm you with the knowledge that you might need to set yourself up for success. And there's definitely ways that you can cut back throughout your college career so you can still pursue your passion and not really weigh your finances down. Because ultimately, what what I think everyone wants to uh, eliminate is not... Uh, not eliminating people going into those uh, other career fields that aren't at the top of the list, but rather trying to eliminate doing so while racking up uh, thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt in the process. 
I think uh, absolutely. I think, you know, 155 out of 159, uh, our fifth least valuable career was clinical psychology. And it, that's not to say that this isn't an important degree here. Right. Uh, there are always, there are always going to be jobs out there for clinical psychologists. And we need them. They graduate. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very important career. Um, and um, it, it's just to, to really level set here to inform people that maybe when they graduate, their median income will be about $49,000 and they could experience an elevated unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. But this is all something that you can keep in mind when you pursue your career. Um, maybe it's something to, to limit your costs of your college education. Maybe pursue community college. Maybe live with roommates. If this is something you're truly passionate about, uh, there's ways to make sure that you can still set yourself up for success in the long run. So the idea is making sure that students go in with their eyes wide open. So what are some of the factors that students should consider? I mean, how do you weigh uh, all of those uh, factors, all of the uh, things that, that go into making a decision on what career to pursue? Yeah, I think what's really important is to maybe sit down as a family and to look at uh, what you're wanting to get out of your career and what you're passionate about. Maybe even evaluate the future. Maybe see uh, where you hope to live after graduation, what you, what kinds of things you hope to do in your adulthood. Maybe you're someone who wants to travel. Maybe you hope to retire early. If you take into consideration some of the things that you want out of your career, maybe you can discover that maybe uh, maybe engineering is the route to go. Maybe clinical psychology, even if it is a median income salary, a lower median income salary, maybe it is something that's still right for you. I think um, it's also important here to note that salary isn't everything, and we really saw this in the data. I think uh, teaching is an example here. Uh, teachers, while they've really made a middle-of-the-road salary in our rankings, uh, they really they experienced high demand once they graduated. So mm-hmm. there's lots of little tricks that you can take here. Well, and and conversely, again on the, along those same lines, I thought it was interesting. Nuclear engineering, uh, one of the highest uh, highest paying jobs uh, in the raw data, but it also is not in the twenty top twenty five most valuable majors overall. I mean, it sits just outside of that for all of those other reasons that you mentioned. Yes, and I think what this is also kind of getting at is job stability. Um, maybe even take a glance at the Department of Labor's uh, projections for your industry. I mean, nuclear engineering, for example, that's a shrinking industry. And while you may make a lot of money when you graduate, you might not really confront a lot of uh, good job prospects when, you f- when you're finished. Uh, or uh, ways to advance your career beyond. I mean, like you said, if that's a, a shrinking uh, job category, then the chances for advancement and, and so on are, are probably going to be less 20 years from now than they are four years from now when you graduate. Yeah, and this this is all important things to consider. So I think what this really shows here is that maybe looking at this ranking, if you're not someone who is interested in engineering, if you're not someone who enjoys math or the kind of, I don't know, studies that would be uh, required of pursuing a degree in computer engineering or architectural engineering, Mm -hmm. a list like this is not necessarily meant to persuade you into doing that. I think it's not really realistic or even good for your career longevity to pursue something that you're not good at or that you're not passionate about. Yeah. Uh, Again, the idea being making sure uh, students are going in with their eyes wide open uh, based on what is important to them. But nonetheless, it is uh, really fascinating stuff. 
the uh, bank rate uh, list of uh, most and least valuable college majors overall. And uh, Sarah Foster, again, Bankrate.com analyst with us this morning. You have uh, this list and more uh, research things, um, you know, discussion points and, and things for students to consider at your website, right? Yes, uh, so visit bankrate.com and you can find all kinds of information, especially for if you're uh, one of those students who's about ready to start their college career. Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. And now today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Apparently, Canadian police are on the hunt for a nice young man who has a penchant for stealing dirty diapers. A dirty diaper thief. Uh, this is a report from CTV News that the thief has been tr- uh, striking a striking a random daycare in Toronto as of late. Uh, according to law enforcement, the suspect was seen lurking around the daycare multiple times before he helped himself to the soiled diapers in the garbage. Police say the man is about 5'5", five between 18 and 22 years old. He uh, rides a black mountain bike, and police are hoping the public can help them track down the thief. Uh, to what end, I wonder? Uh, do they want him to return the diapers? Uh, do they want them back? <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, it is the uh, latest update from Toronto's red-hot crime scene. There it is. <laughs> Weird. Of all the things to steal... I guess you figure nobody would miss them. <clears throat> Sometimes the criminals make things very easy. In uh, Pelham, New Hampshire, 51-year-old Joseph Wel- uh, Welter uh, was uh, driving under the influence early Monday morning when he lost control of his car on a traffic circle and crashed into the police headquarters. <laughs> Uh, Actually, he hit a tree and a rock on the property outside of police headquarters. Uh, Officers heard the commotion, heard a loud loud crash, and uh, filed outside to see a damaged road sign, tire marks across the grass, and Mr. Welter trying to drive away from the scene unsuccessfully. (laughs) The uninjured man was arrested and charged with a DUI. He also... Um, can be seen in his mugshot grinning widely. So I don't. He was uh, released on his own personal recognizance and is due back in court later this month, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> At least he knows how to get to police headquarters. Um, a, a New York City man now holds the record for the most shoplifting arrests in one year. Isaac Rodriguez, age 22, has been so far, and we're not done, we're not through the year yet. He has a chance to uh, extend his streak. He has been arrested 46 times for retail theft this year alone. Uh, During his spree, he stole from various Walgreens stores at least 37 times. In total, he was arrested 57 times for offenses including petty larceny and grand larceny and gang assault he reportedly uh, stole such things as baby formula lotion lingerie dove soap energy drinks and sensodyne toothpaste (laughs) all in plain sight uh, of uh, store security cameras and store security officers 
New York's bail reform laws mean that he has been in jail and released several times. So, in case you're wondering why they keep letting him out, because they have to. It's the uh, it's the law in New York. So, and uh, finally, the uh, broken news this morning: Dominic D'Souza, a top British lawyer, is denying accusations that he was using his cell phone while driving, even though a photo he allegedly took on his phone would appear to prove otherwise. The uh, picture obtained by the Daily Mail was taken from the inside of his Tesla and appears to show the car going 59 miles an hour without any hands visible on the steering wheel. He took a picture of his speedometer, clearly with no hands on the steering wheel, now, the uh, Tesla can be driven on autopilot, but the driver is always advised to keep their hands on the wheel at all times, and it is the law in Great Britain. Uh, Mr. D'Souza posted the uh, photo uh, to his LinkedIn account, along with the caption, On my way to Manchester in the most miserable weather, but thank heavens I have an electric car, otherwise I would not be getting there at all. I don't know what the electric car part has about it, but it has to do with it, but anyway... He posted the the photo online, brushing aside any suggestion that he was actually driving when the photo was taken, telling uh, the British newspaper, the Daily Mail, absolutely not. I was parked in a service station. He was unable to explain why the speedometer showed 59 miles an hour <laughs> while he was supposedly parked. Using a mobile phone while driving is a criminal offense punishable by the equivalent of about $300 and a a six-point license violation uh, in Great Britain. So, (laughs) a lawyer, you would think uh, he would know better. And uh, speaking of the UK, this is something that I think everyone on this side of the pond can relate to. A mom in the UK is fed up with seeing parents show up to pick their kids up from school with their pajamas and robes on. At the Ersum Primary School, they have banned parents from wearing nighttime attire on the school run. But despite the ban, parents are still showing up wearing pajamas. So Uzma Katun, 32-year-old mom of two, says there are so many people wearing pajamas. If parents are in their pajamas, I will not, not let my children be friends with their children outside of school. Sometimes my children get scared of people dressed like that. Not gonna let my kids be friends with your kids anymore. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. We talk with the coaches each week on the WFIN Coaches Corner. Hi, this is John Marshall. Join me each Wednesday night live from Ralphie's on the Coaches Corner, presented by the Granary Gifts and Furniture. We'll cover the Finley Trojans, the BBC, the University of Finley, and much more. Hear what the coaches have to say each and every week. The Coaches Corner, Wednesday night at 6 on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. With Halloween fast approaching, the folks at Candy Store have put together uh, their data on every state's favorite sweet treats for Halloween. 
Uh, spending for Halloween candy, they say, is expected to top $3 billion this year. That is a 20% jump from last year and 10% higher than the all-time high. So it's interesting to see which candy satisfies each state's sweet tooth. Uh, overall, uh, in America, the number one favorite candy, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Uh, their highest sales are in California with more than 1.2 million pounds of candy bought in 2021 thus far. Florida also loved their peanut butter cups with more than a half a million pounds sold. Kansas and Kentucky also uh, ranked uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, uh, cups as the uh, state favorite. Uh, Sour Patch Kids topped the list in New York with uh, about 138,000 pounds sold. Also, Alaska, Illinois, Maine, and Massachusetts. The most starburst were sold in Texas with uh, nearly 1 million pounds sold. Starburst, also the most popular candy in Alabama, Michigan, Indiana, and South Dakota. And in Ohio, the top Halloween treat, Blow Pops. Blow Pops, number one, 157,827 pounds of Blow Pops sold this year in Ohio so far. And again, we still have a couple of weeks to go until Halloween, so we're going to add to that total. In Ohio, M&M's rank a close second with 148,727 pounds of M&M's sold. And Starburst came in third with 132,890 pounds uh, of uh, Starburst sold in the Buckeye State. So those are the favorites in our state. And if you go to candystore.com, you can see the entire list of every state's favorite candy uh, by the amount sold and exactly how many thousands of pounds uh, of that candy have been uh, sold. It's kind of interesting. Want to welcome into the studio members of the cast uh, with the preview of the Fort Findlay Playhouse uh, upcoming production of the musical comedy Nonsense. Andrea Adams Miller and Daphne Bauer with us uh, in the studio. Ladies, thanks very much for coming in. We Thank appreciate it. Thank you for having us. So, uh, Nonsense, one of the uh, most legendary off Broadway productions, <laughs> really fascinating history behind this show, started off as. A series of greeting cards, of all things, expanded to be sort of a stand-up vaudeville-type show, and eventually a uh, a musical production, musical comedy. Tell us a little bit about the show for those who are not familiar with uh, the storyline here. Well, sure. So I play Mother Superior uh, this time of around. Of course you do. <laughs> she does. Of course well, you this do. This time around, 15 years ago, I was Sister Robert Ann, who's a little bit of the class clown. Uh, this time it's quite funny because uh, I've actually been chastised for being too smiley as Mother Superior. Because I'm, sub- I, but I, I am. Uh, I do have a nonprofit called the Keep Smiling Movement. So to be stern and chast the whole time is uh, yeah. uh, quite a difference for me um but a mother superior she tries to keep a tight ship but she obviously has some uh 
uh, we'll say some uh, failures and some missteps in her leadership. And she ha- uh, so it's the five women are putting on a fundraiser, the five nuns, uh, because they had 52 of their sisters die instantly of botulism after Sister Julia, child of God, had fed them some soup while we were off playing Julia, bingo. Julia, child, child of God. God. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. There we go. And uh, so uh, we are trying to raise some uh, funds so that we can bury the last of the four dead sisters because I had uh, misjudged the budgeting for the funerals and um, spent some money on a television instead. (laughs) And so uh, Sister Hubert, the second in charge, is quite upset with me. And uh, um, she has some, how would you word that, Daphne? Visions for uh... she does. She has aspirations of glory. She would like to be number one in command and take your place. But uh, uh-huh. she's working her way up the ladder, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other three sisters. We have Sister Leo, who's our youngest. Who's uh, uh, she has aspirations as well to be the first nun ballerina. Mm-hmm. And then um, th- that's Nikki Needles. Uh, by the way, um, Sister Hubert, our second in command, is. Mandy Bauer, Bohr, Bohr, Mandy yep. Bohr, and then I said Bauer, yep. Yep. Daphne Bauer, yes. Sister Amnesia. I just went into an amnesia moment. Yes. Uh, why don't you describe who, about you? Um, Sister Amnesia really throughout the entire show doesn't know who she is. Uh, she had a crucifix fall on her head and <laughs> just spends the entire time not knowing where she's at, who she is, or what really what she's doing. So it, she's a really fun character to play. This is actually the fourth time I've got to play Sister Amnesia. Yeah, it's gonna, uh, you know, yeah. Th- that's one of the things. Nonsense is a, a really popular uh, show, and obviously you've done it uh, done it before. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why people keep coming back to the show. Yes, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there's tap dancing, there's puppets, there's, I mean, you name it, we're going to do it in the show, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> the humor of it the, uh, there's little pieces that you miss and even uh, having been in the show mm-hmm. each time there's new things that we see mm-hmm. and, and explore about it uh, Sister Robert Ann who I played 15 years ago I love that part I, it was just, uh, just a cherished part to me Bree Zerby is playing it this time she's absolutely adorable and Bree um, she pushes against all authority she's um, from Hoboken uh, her character uh, this you know New Jersey accent and she anything that she can do to and she's not doing it on purpose she really has good intentions but mother superior is not interested <laughs> in her intentions and uh it's been fantastic to play this with. is uh I, as you can probably tell uh from the description this is a uh, show that you have to have a sense of humor about your religion oh yes oh, <laughs> oh yes yeah yes. it's not i mean we are catholic nuns but uh the Catholic humor in it is, you know, you have to be a little, yeah. don't be sensitive. In a, <laughs> we're going to make fun of it just a little bit. Yeah. But, not not in a bad way, you know. <laughs> but, and, 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 and the music, it's it's an awful lot of fun, uh, yes. you know, for all of the senses, mm-hmm. if you will. Here, we yeah. can break into one. I, we'll, well, we'll drop I was, in the character. One, two, three. <laughs> Nonsense is habit forming. That's what people say. Yep. Sister Amnesia. Sister Amnesia, you were going to tell people about the show. Oh, yes. Yes, I was going to tell you when the show ran. Did you forget? I, yes. I did, but thank goodness I have this piece of paper in front of me. <laughs> oh, could, okay. you, could you read it out loud? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. That's a good idea, Reverend Mother. The show dates are October 14th through the 17th, the 21st through the 24th, and the 28th through the 31st. And you can get tickets 
They're available through the box office. All you have to do is call 567-525-3636. And that is open on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Or you can go online to tickets.fortfinleyplayhouse.org and you can get tickets there anytime, 24-7. <laughs> We've got that linked up, by the way. Oh, great. Uh, okay. At our webpage, so you can uh, check that out. And, uh, it, you know, we've said, we say it all the time. We have the uh, folks from the Fort Finlay Playhouse in that uh, always welcoming uh, new folks uh, into the family of uh, uh, actors yes. and behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, the, yes. You please. clearly have a good time doing the doing the uh, shows that you Yes, and on. we're very family-oriented. Absolutely. My Absolutely. children, my whole family, your mm-hmm. whole family, yes. um, her, her, your mom, your brother, yeah. <laughs> everybody's been in. And uh, we really do encourage people to come out and participate, whether you're an usher or you're helping do lights and sound or you're on stage, uh, behind the scenes, chorus. There's always fun things for you to do. And in some cases, all of the above. Absolutely. All of the above. Well, yes. we have done all of <laughs> yes, the above yeah. sometimes. And we also want to say this a particular time, even though Jim to- Toth told us not to make a big yeah. to-do about it, um, I'm going to make a big to-do about it. It is his 100th wow. directing show. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's Congratulations a Congratulations Local legend, yes, to be sure. Yes, absolutely. The uh, Fort yes. Finley Playhouse. Uh, again, uh, Nonsense opens. What's the uh, opening day? October 14th. Okay, so right around the corner, and tickets are available now. Like we said, uh, go to goodmornings.net. You learn more about the show. Andrea Adams-Miller and Daphne Bauer, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Break a leg, as they say in the theater. <laughs> yes. But don't do so literally. Um, (laughs) And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And as always, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net, where you can also connect with us on social media. Shoot us an email if there's something you want to share directly. Sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Again, goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.